Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Yes, oh, we're getting you loud and clear, Captain Hunter. I like Captain Hunter. (laughs) Captain Hunter. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. This is your captain speaking. Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to work work it out to a promotion or a demotion. (laughs) <laughs> from what? I don't from, know exactly. That's what I'm trying from to what, From what you thought you were previously. Yeah, who knows what I was. <laughs> we were just discussing, Mike, um, yep. your washing arrangements. Uh, personal or laundry? <laughs> laundry. Okay, that's good. <laughs> laundry. Yeah, I have, I, have, um, a, I have a collection of small old women in Bista who do my laundry when I'm down here. <laughs> And they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. 20, 20 quid for a massive bag of horrendous laundry. And I leave it with them. And they call me Mr. Hunter and everything. And then when I when I go and pick it up. In fact, I'm the last man standing who pays on pickup as well. They insist on paying for it. Everyone else has to pay when they leave the stuff. Right. They still, they still leave me alone. Uh... And when I go and get it, everything's folded, socks, balls, everything. They're brilliant. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? How long has this relationship been in place? Well, it's literally years and years, you know, or probably a, over a decade. But we, during the pandemic, when I wasn't here, I didn't do any, obviously. And then when I came down here again, someone had crashed a car. It's like on a little little block of shops, you know, like a little tiny bespoke block of shops like you get with a flat on the top and a shop yeah. underneath. And someone had driven into the thing drunk oh no it wasn't it was an old woman had backed us and a confused old woman had reversed into it hit a structural <laughs> thing and they had to condemn everything everyone had to be moved out of the flats and they and everything yeah but so they only opened again about a year ago and when i went it was the same old little old ladies it was brilliant mm, that's nice isn't it that's a heartwarming story that yes it is no they are i, I literally went this morning that's why i'm thinking of them. yeah and just for the purposes of balance Yes. Uh, old men are also <laughs> capable of crashing into buildings. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't yes. like anyone to think, uh, you know, this is in any way sexist. As as far um, as Dodderell fuckers behind the wheel are concerned, we are gender neutral. Yeah, gen, uh, quite gender well, fluid. W- w- gender fluid. I think if I were present and correct. I was thinking that. I thought I didn't want to make that comment. <laughs> Doddery old people backing into a car for where do I see that every day? <laughs> Actually, Mike, on that subject, before we yes. start, yeah. did you recover H's sunglasses that uh, post being run over? Just yeah, to confirm I, that story. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, he was asking, like he does every single day of my entire life, he'll walk out of the thing to go home and say, have you seen my laptop, jacket, jumper, sweatshirt, glasses, car keys, in, you know, to least is appropriate. And he said, brought the glasses, and I couldn't find them. I had to look around. And he said, oh, probably left them, wandered off. 
And once the car park had cleared, I just saw this thing on the ground and it was just the detritus of the little remainder of this pair of sunglasses that had definitely been run run good and proper over. So I don't know who did it. I don't know who the culprit was. I can't say that. Oh, it'll have been me because what will <laughs> yeah, have happened yeah, is you've dropped them out you got out, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, I've dropped them out the passenger door and then, you know, they've sat there and then I've just traversed over them. With, with the front wheels on hard lock, yeah, yeah, gone yeah. Over them. just to I properly d- crunch I, them into the ground. I didn't hear anything go crump, but no, um, no. you know. When when I first joined the call this evening, you very yeah. proudly said, "H, that you were wearing your Shoreneers." Oh, um, very we, posh. Which we had a conversation about uh, monitoring for monitoring purposes. Uh, a pair of Shoreneers that I happened to pull in for you from shore uh, a number of years oh, ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did to eva- to evaluate, and, and yeah. you just found them again, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I, they've been evaluated thoroughly, and I found <laughs> them in the bottom of a suitcase. because ah. I've mentioned them a couple of times in passing, just to see if they're you know. I mean, I never thought you'd flogged on eBay, which, to be fair, is what you said the first thing you said. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you'd think that I'd flogged them on eBay. No, of the members of the band I could think of who would flog things like that on eBay, you never come to the top of the list. Well, I'm grateful for that, and and it's you're obviously a very good judge of character because I, I although over the years people have questioned whether I have shame, I do have shame over shit like that, and I I, I couldn't do it. I, well, I I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I I <laughs> there's a similar thing to eBay that I remember you getting involved with and having spectacular results. Now, Do you remember that? that fella that you had to meet in a car park? Or shouldn't this, should we start again and record this another time? Which you know one I mean? was that? There's been a few. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. You, it was something about it was like because we were talking about flaky people, the way that some people's lives are utterly chaotic, and you. you I think you were selling something like. It might, it might not oh, have been, but like a these, laptop. Do you remember? It's, no, it's these focal monitors I've got right here. What, uh, yeah, what, they're, they're, I'm staring at them. I can touch them if I reach out. Was that, what, was that where the guy had shot. suddenly said, well, I don't really want to buy it? Do you remember, not, do you remember that, that where he said, I'd, where you'd agreed a price, you were selling something, I'm sure, for like 100 quid, and then he turned up and goes, will you take 50 and something else? Oh, that was hysterical. Oh, do you that remember was that? A, yeah, yeah that that was a laptop I was selling on Gumtree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only wanted, I mean, it was a really paltry amount of money. I think I wanted something like 50 quid for it, which is not a lot for a laptop, is it? And this guy came back and he said, oh, and he told me all this long sub story about how he didn't have any money and his son means the world to him and the thing he wants most of all in the whole world is a laptop and he hasn't really got a lot of money and uh but that'll be lovely and uh he, he agreed to meet me in a, at the side of the road in a lay-by and then uh, and I went uh, okay and so I agreed to meet him just outside Buckingham and then about two days before I was supposed to meet him, he, he texted me. I, I wish I'd kept the conversation. It was insane. And he just said, would you consider £25 plus a massage chair? <laughs> and I and I wrote back and I went, well, no, I, I, want, I was sort of selling this because I wanted money, not because I wanted other stuff. Uh, so, no, I... I uh, 
and then he came back again and he offered me, I mean, he offered me all these bizarre objects. Uh, and then it, it's a very good massage chair. It vibrates and it does this and it does that and the other. And I'm going, well, I don't want a massage chair. Oh, okay. All right. And then, uh, then he offered me something else. I can't even remember. And then I went in the end. And then he, then he was like, oh, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm going to come then. And I said, like, well, all right, please yourself. And then he came out and said, well, no, no, I will. I'll, I'll come because my son means the world to me. And blah, blah, blah. and he did the whole thing about poor little tiny Tim. God blesses everyone, <laughs> you know, with his new laptop. So I, I set off to meet him and he texts me again and he says, I've actually only got £35. <laughs> so I've got to stop at my mum's and borrow 15 quid in, I don't know, Northampton or somewhere like that. So I'll be a bit late. So I think, oh, this bloke's not going to turn up, is he? So anyway, I've, I finally get to this, um, I get to this uh, lay-by just, just opposite Tesco's at Buckingham and sit there thinking, I'm feeling a bit nervous about this now. I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to get out with a pump-action shotgun and just take this laptop off me. Because he did seem like a bit of a nutter with no money, deep, deeply uh, indebted to his to Tiny Tim, his son. And I thought he was just going to get out and pull, pull some kind of weapon. So I got out feeling quite nervous. But he, he was as good as his word eventually, and, and he did give me £50 for it. Um, but I thought you were going to tell. I thought you wanted me to tell the ladies and gentlemen about the focal monitors that I bought in a car park on the uh, M5. <laughs> there's a, there's an, you know, there's an entire subculture of scams involving vans pulling up. People saying, "I was just about to install this speaker system somewhere, but they've blown it out. You can have it for half price because I can't possibly take it back." It's like an established thing. It's, but there it's... was also a bloke in uh, in Montreal, and I think he was an American, and he 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 wrote in and said, "I deal in uh, buying and selling second and and fixing and repairing uh, secondhand Mac products, and I've been listening to your music for years, and I want to give something back." And here's a current list of what I've got in my, in my a stock list of what I've got for sale in my shop at the moment. And if there's anything you fancy, let me know and I'll bring it to Montreal and give it to you. So I I had a look down the list and he, there was <laughs> there was a big there was an iPad. So I said, Oh, can I have the iPad? And he went, I'll bring it. And um I went and I met up with him in the um in a in a hotel reception in Montreal, and uh, he said, "It's you, isn't it?" I went, "Yes, it's you, isn't it?" And he went, "Yes," and he said, "Here it is," and he gave me this iPad, and I and I walked away. Now that's yeah. a bit strange as well, isn't yeah, it? Very, yeah, yeah. And Lynetta went to Denmark this morning with that iPad oh, under her arm, so it's still yeah. going. And in fact, that was the reason why I found all the things rattling about in the bottom of the suitcase because she took it out the garage uh -huh. to to pack to go to Denmark, and that's where I found the uh, in ears. So that completes my short story. <laughs> okay. You see, most established artists would be really careful about those kind of interactions. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
You're not yeah. meeting. You're not meeting Tom York in a lay-by in Buckinghamshire on the promise of a laptop. <laughs> on it, do you know what I mean? Then there was the bloke. <laughs> then there was the bloke who paid for a holiday in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that happened to me as well. Anyway, that's that's a really long story, but I've I've already told that in the diary. Shall we start? Yeah, we probably okay. should. I yeah, should yeah. shut up, and Mike should continue right. his, his recollections. Right. Well, we'll tell you what. I'll do a title, and then we'll we'll kick straight off. It's one nine seven, so, isn't it? I me- I meant Captain Mike. Of yeah, course. Captain, Captain Mike, of course. Yeah. Captain Full title. Okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Chapter One Hundred Ninety Seven of the Corona Diaries. And as you've guessed by now, Mike's back. And thank Hello. you, Mike, by the way, for 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 being available. Eight That's days okay. after the last time you were available. Place your life jacket over your head and wrap the straps around, tying a double knot on the side. Assume the right. crash position. Where are the emergency exits, eh? <laughs> there, there, oh. there, and there. I, I listened to a podcast the other day, an Adam, the Adam Buxton podcast, oh, uh, where he interviews Werner Herzog, the famous director and mm. loon. And he, <laughs> he, was, he was in a plane... That was about to crash, and it literally did crash. It like they had to land with no wheels, and every the the the, the crew were going around to tell everyone to assume crash positions, and he refused. He said, "No, it's undignified. I'm gonna. I want to see what happens when I go down." And he just sat there. And he was fine, but you know, anyway, weird. Hasn't Harrison Ford crashed twice? But yeah, famously. but he's a he's a pilot, isn't he? This was as a passenger, but yeah, he's a he's. He's what all all people like pop stars and and film stars who become pilots. Not Bruce Dickinson, in fairness, he seems quite good, doesn't he? But um, well, he, he flies proper most, planes, doesn't he? Yeah, but most of them end up. You know, Gary Newman ended up on the M1, didn't he, back in the day? And <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I say I know. I shouldn't say this really, but Dave Gilmore's wife stopped him flying his planes because he just kept landing them badly. You know, nothing disastrous, but landing them badly enough to take a wing off or whatever. So I know that back in the nineties, she stopped. She put a stop to that. Hmm. How, where on earth did you chance upon that nugget? When, when were you chatting um, with Dave Gilmore's wife? I wasn't. I wasn't chatting with Dave Gilmore's wife. Um, we were doing a session in on his in, on Pink Floyd's boat on the Astoria boat on the Thames. We did it. We did a session with Manson on the third album. Um, we did a lot of the recording there. One beautiful summer in an amazing. It's a Beautiful boat. It used to belong to um, Fred Carno, the sort of impresario from the twenties. Yeah. So people like people like um, Charlie Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy had, had parties on it back in the day, and it had this. It's all beautiful wood and lead crystal windows. It's a great. I mean, imagine it's exactly the kind of thing that Pink Floyd would buy and use as a studio. It's really nice. Yeah. It was I once good times. lived just down. Just down the water from there, about hundred meters further down the bank, the riverbank. Right, right. It's opposite David Garrick's house. That's right. Yeah, it's on. It's yeah, literally it's on a thing called Garrick's Lawn. Actually, I shouldn't be saying this, shouldn't I? There'd be loads of Floyd stalkers listening to this, yeah. clambering well, over the wall and ne'er do wells. The ne'er do wells. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ruffians. <laughs> it's it's quite. It's not far from Hampton Court either. It's not. You know, it's not uh, the next bridge down, isn't it? Yeah. Lovely, lovely part of the world. Very. Very expensive. Mm. Do you know what that's made me think, Mike? Because this, mm-hmm. this is really terrible because you've been on three or four times now and we've never once asked you about your 
your working life outside of Marillion. That's oh, awful, well, that's, isn't it? It's a very, it's a very private, it's a very private matter. <laughs> no, I've got, I really haven't got anything to, you know, there's nothing, certainly nothing that I would be legally allowed to say about my previous sessions. Although we, we actually, we did talk about one today, didn't we, with, uh, in the studio, with, um, what's it, about uh, Mystic Meg. I did an album with Mystic Meg along, <laughs> she's, long, she's dead now, sadly. <laughs> Um, you did an album with Mystic yeah, Meg. Yeah, I know, I know. But that's that's the that's the lot of a house engineer. If you work in house at a studio, and whatever session comes in, you just get allocated it and stuff. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I mean, I once recorded Everton, which was great. It was very exciting. Um, I've got some absolutely explosive, like finish him, cancel him as a human gossip about David Moyes on that session, which I definitely will not repeat on this. But it was, yeah, it was quite an interesting session because I was a big Everton fan, obviously, and um, it was to, it was a terrible song. In fairness, the late Bill Kenwright and a and a, and a theatrical producer friend of his had had said, "Let's do a new Everton song," and it was it was to the tune of "Home on the Range." Home, home on the range. Remember that, you know. Um, but it was called "No Other Team," and it was pretty, you know, it was ropey and had nothing going for it. But some of the team came in to sing along on the chorus. And um, it was very early in Rooney's career, so I'd say it was around about 2002, 2003. And they they were all under orders to turn up in the session in club blazer and tie. And everyone did, except Wayne Rooney, who just came in a pair of tracky bottoms and a T-shirt, and he he got a bit of a bollocking in the corner from from David Moyes. yeah, so I remember that. But David Moyes did make one comment, and I thought, if you had a microphone on you there, your fucking career would be over. But he's a he's a very nice man. Otherwise, and 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 tell the ladies and gentlemen what Mystic Meg said. Oh yeah, I did a, a session with Mystic Meg, and it was with this guy who was the guy who was doing the music had arranged to have this meeting with her and she actually phoned and said, due to unforeseen circumstances, I can't make this meeting, which for a clairvoyant is pretty <laughs> poor show. You know, so, yeah. But we did do it, and we did finish the album. That, that was what I was The guy who was quite, talk about flaky people who suddenly make different offers. I was down to, it was like a week's very ordinary work. So I think I was down to get like, I don't know, 500 quid or something, I seem to remember. And then when the session was, but he was paying me himself. So he was getting the studio cheaper because he wasn't paying me as a house engineer. He was going to pay me. I think he offered me 500 quid. And um, by the end of the session, he says, I haven't got 500 quid, but I've got 200 quid and an arpeggiator. And he hands me this shit box that nobody, nobody would ever want. And I'm like, I thought, what the fuck do I say? You know, I can't, you know. So I just have to, I still got that somewhere as a bit of a reminder of, you know, make sure you fucking sort the cash out up front. Is it in the garage next to the massage chair? It's next to your massage chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No. Now that's highly a re- had a really, really, really depressing story on your part, or that's a veiled warning to the rest of the band. It's a, it's a veiled warning to the rest of the band that, as well. That but trick on me again. It's yeah. also, it's also what there's a thing called the session triangle, and I'm sure this exists in other businesses and stuff. But I got it explained to me in studios, um, where basically when you do a session, there are three elements to it. One is the work, i.e., the music you're doing and what you're going to be doing, the people what they're going to be like, and the money. 
And two of those three have to be good. It doesn't matter which two. So you can do shit music with nice people for good money. You can do amazing people, uh, amazing music with horrible people for good money. All Any combination of the two is fine. But the minute one of the other legs falls off, it's all, which is when you're done Mystic Meg and someone tries to pay you with an Akai <laughs> RPG at the end of the session. So, yeah. I've anyway. got, you know what I'm going to ask you now, don't you? Go on. Having introduced the session triangle. Yeah. So where does the where does Marillion fit in the session triangle? Well, I love the music and they're lovely people. <laughs> you could take no, you could take what you want. It's a, it's one of the it's one of the rare ones where all three legs of the milking stool are perfectly level. Right. Yeah. Okay. But right. but for how long? But for how long? The end of this podcast, probably. <laughs> Oh dear! Right. Okay. Um, listen, uh, uh, of the things we said, we only really said we'd come back to talk about one thing, and that was basically the recording of with friends, um, right. the, the with friends project, and what you described as as about the worst experience you've ever had recording an album when you went to Real World. I'm, and I might be, you know, putting yeah. slight words into your mouth. I think there. one no. of the legs came off the triangle. I think. Yeah, <laughs> one of the. Milking still was wonky that day. No, actually, real world wasn't that, but real world was kind of um, sort of an edgy session because it is with you. You've got you know expensive string players and expensive studio running. Everything's got to go right. So there's always an edge to those sessions. Any like a nervous edge, uh, which is fine, and that's completely normal. No, real world was okay. It was once we got back to racket, I didn't have a good time. But um, but I, I sort of regret mentioning this on the last one. I thought about it later and thought I shouldn't have really brought yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to have to follow through now. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, but but unfortunately, if it was one of the other members of the band, I could happily gossip wildly about them. But it's it's the man sitting across me in, in a little. What box. did I do for fuck's sake? What did you do? I forgot. Well, let's <laughs> let's just say that. I think we mentioned last week that this was sort of a less is more album between album albums. Mm. Could I say mm. album anymore? Mm. Um, so uh, when we'd finished the recording at Real World and stuff and got it back and we were doing all the final edits up and stuff, we are going to do the vocals back in Racket because it was going to get very expensive. Uh, Stephen Hogarth invested in a brand new microphone that was unasked for by me oh was was this that album yeah and and so he he brought in this clever digital and digital microphone that could mimic all the classic microphones you could possibly throw a stick at even though we'd just come out of a room with literally those microphones in them um but it had a beautiful sort of lilac light when you plugged it in which I'm pretty convinced is why he bought it. <laughs> I'm almost certain that's right. But we did anyway. So I said, well, you know, I'm not. I wasn't 100 percent convinced that this really would be as good as like a nice U47 or something. But I, I said and thought, well, if any album's worth a try on this, it's this one because it's sort of an in between the album. So if it's not exactly like we'd imagined, we tried it. It'll be fine. And let's do it. So we did all the vocals on every song. And this is the summer, all running up to people's holidays. And I did them. I thought they sounded okay. And Stephen Hogarth did not think they sounded okay. And 
came in to say, let's scrap all the vocals and do them all again. So that was the beginning of me not having a great time on that record. And that's probably where we should park it. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. No, that's all right. No, no, I'm sorry. completely over it. And like I said, I sort of regret bringing it up because now it's making it a big thing. And probably there are people below below the line who will talk about it. But it was no. it was one of those. It was really strange because it it sounded fine, but all the soul had gone out of it somehow. I, it wasn't moving me, and I couldn't work out why not. Yeah, but um, we we sort of had a slight conversation today, didn't we, about the, the digital desk back in the day where. You, you did some mixes on dot com through this digital desk, and you couldn't put your finger on why you didn't like it. You couldn't. You're not sitting there going, "Oh, isn't it dull? Or isn't it this? Or isn't?" There's just something missing that you can't imagine pressing a button to repair. No, so it I, just wasn't glued together on, yeah. the, on you know the dot com stuff. Yeah, and we all sat there and went, "Why does this sound all wrong?" And none of us could could. Go, oh, it's because blurs, because it's because out of phase, or there's not enough bass, or the riot's too loud or too quiet. It, it was all where it should be, but it didn't sound right. And we couldn't work it out. And we came to the conclusion it must be the way, it must be something to do with this new yeah, desk. Yeah, like bought. the summing of it or whatever the process. And, yeah. and it had to go. And we had to, we had to do it all again. Now, we have talked about that. We did when we talked about dot com. We did have that conversation about. I, rem- I distinctly remember that about the desk. And your phrase at the time was, "It just didn't sound glued together." And I, I suspect that this microphone was giving those same kind of vibes out. It's you know, it's designed to be a digital mimic of a of a real thing. And some of these things, when you listen in isolation, you can sort of be impressed by them. And then somehow when you put it all together, you just think, well, there's something not quite right. And it isn't as simple as digital versus analog. It's got nothing to do with that, I don't think. I think it's just, I don't know. It's some some things, some things don't sound great either when you... I always felt like this with the DA88s, the tape machines that we used in Racket when we first put Racket together to do Afraid of Sunlight stuff. Whereas if you, if you recorded like a CD onto tracks one and two, to listen to what the tape was doing to you know this you'd listen to it and you a b it again and you go it sounds great it sounds fine it's not it's not trashing it it's not doing it but by the time you've got 48 things running through those that process and being glued back together it's i don't know you start to hear the problems with it do you know what i mean so anyway mm. so what in terms of how long did that add to the process then because you you just said you trashed the lot yeah we did we, yeah. we, we got rid of everything did everything re-recorded everything um, and in fairness to steve he did sort of bend over backwards in terms of let's let's do this you know not we didn't do the marillion work ethic of you know <laughs> pop popping in at one o'clock in the afternoon and fucking off at three o'clock with um, a lunch hour <laughs> so we did we did do that but it was all it was just i think it was probably because I'd, I'd done a, I'd probably had done a lot of work on this because there's a lot of the, the arranging and then making the demos and then doing the thing with the band. So we had a good version, then go into the real world and do it with other people, and then and then to do that and you do the final thing where you think you're at the at the home straight, and then all of a sudden none of the album has any lead vocal on it anymore. It was probably that that just tipped me slightly over the edge, but not not in a way that caused problems between us or anything. 
Um, well, you no. should hear. Well, it, this, is why, this is why I had no idea it was my fault. No, I knew you'd gone over the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, when I go over the edge, it's very much an internal thing. It's, <laughs> no one would ever know I've gone over the edge. Um, so, I'm going to have yeah. to ask then, Stephen, with a PH, yeah, where, uh, what, what attracted you to a microphone that mimicked a load of other stuff? Because that seems remarkably not you. Lilac light bulb that lit up when you plugged it in. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It was the massage just... chair of the microphone world. Did you buy it on the side of the A41? I went through a bit of a phase where I became a bit of a gear junkie, and it's sort of passed now. And barely a, barely a week went by without I bought some expensive valve compressor or something. They're still all in a rack in the corner of the room here. Um must bring them in, Mike, because it's a shame. To no, I've got them. some of your stuff here. I've got the tube tech and everything that gets used every day and stuff. Yeah. So oh, yeah. is, have, you've got that one, have you? Yeah, I've got one the tube tech and I've got else. your Neve mic amp as well. Oh, yeah. This will anyway. be a thrill for the listeners, won't it? <laughs> Neve mic <laughs> amp. Yeah, but that, this is the point. That sounds more like what I expect you to buy yeah. because you've always yeah. been about what I've classed as proper gear. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, you know. I just got... I think I just got seduced at the prospect of having the uh, Ocean Way microphone locker at yeah. my disposal. I was seduced by that, I think. And I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this is not a good system for, for the people out there oh, yeah, no. p- 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 about to litigate. Um, but They may well have gone bust by now already. I shouldn't worry I would- about it. I'd also, just in case they make other things, I'd like to distance myself from my early comments, just in case they make other things that I use regularly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just got, you know, seduced. And I thought, oh, that'll be a good thing because we've been using this uh, you you doodly do uh, down at Real World a lot. And then we've been hiring one in when, it, when, when I'm selling a racket from Studio Care. And it's just an incredibly expensive old vintage. What's it called? Are you U forty seven Telefunken U forty seven U Telefunken Isadora Duncan U forty seven. And I thought, oh, imagine if we could just have that permanently at, at our disposal. Push a button, and it turns into something strange, you know. And we could have a lot of fun with that. Uh, I'll buy that. And so we we decided that we would. We would, you know, do the vocals on this album with it. I totally didn't realise it was this particular record, although I do remember the the heartache. And I sang, I sang everything, and it seemed to sound fine as it went down. And then Mike said, "Oh, well, leave that with me because I've got to plug the software in that turns it into the fabulous thing." Um, and then when he came back with it, all treated and processed, and there it is. It sounded good. But it didn't move me. And I thought, it's like the human being's gone out of it. And I can't even tell you why. Um, it just didn't, it didn't rattle me the way, you know, in the past, in all modesty, I, I occasionally even rattle myself, you know, when, when, when I'm really on top of my game. And there was nothing there. Um, and I thought, well, it's got to be. It's got to be the mic because if it was me, then at least there'd be a moment where I'd go, ooh, and there was nothing. Um, so the only thing to do really was was to start again, sing them all again. And I, I think I went on holiday to Norway 
Um, yeah, because we, we did a rare weekend, didn't we? Didn't we do a rare weekend so you could have get to the holidays? So, I, I can't remember, but I remember. I remember frantically compiling all those lead vocals whilst overlooking the field. Yeah. Well, I can understand, Mike, why that was a little bit troubling for you. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, you know, if you asked anybody and said, okay, you've, you've finished your record, you're about to start mixing, and someone walks in the room and said, every single lead vocal on this has got to go. It's, it's a, you know, it's an unusual occurrence. Let's just put it that way. But I do, I do think it comes back to this thing of when you're doing it, I didn't think they sounded that bad anyway, but I was probably half listening to the process of it. Then you know what I mean. I don't know. Mm. You can get sort of seduced by that, but because um, it was sort of fiddly, slightly fiddly to use, it 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 didn't sound. It wasn't like it sounded rotten in the headphones when you're singing it. It didn't sound rotten no. in here to do it. It didn't sound rotten to knock together. And but but I, I accept totally what what Steve said. I think it does come back to that thing that you can't put your finger on. Just some element that you're used to getting out of gear just isn't there, you know. Mm. But it worked out yeah. in the end. We did it. We did them all again. They all sound great. So it was fine. Would that now mean that if if the next time this happens, where somebody walks in the studio and says, "I've got this thing on the packet. It sounds brilliant. Do you think we should?" Would that now get short shrift? It would. It would. Yeah. It. Well, no, I, I'm I'm always up for people bringing things in and trying things out, but it, I suppose the difference would be if Rothers comes in with a new box, which is not rare, you know, he'll have something <laughs> cooking in the corner that you know, it's going to be great because it's going to it's going to lead to a bit on a song, on a, a section of a song, and an interesting you know wobble on something, and that's fine. Or Mark's got this mad sound that he definitely wants to use. That's fine because it's going to be a bit on something. When it's something where it's every single second of the lead vocal on an entire album, then that will never happen again. Okay. No. No, it won't. And I, <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> My name's Steve Hogarth, and I support that message. I do, 110%. <laughs> Well, it all worked out in the end, then, didn't it? Did, it did, absolutely, yeah. And these things are, you know, it's all part of the rich tapestry. Yeah, it's a learning curve. Moving past that, then, Mike, moving past that mm -hmm. for me, because it sounds like you actually quite enjoyed the orchestration bit and writing the arrangements, and it sounds like you quite enjoyed real world. Yeah. And then there was a problem, which I can understand see why would have created a moment, but you got through it and, and this, that, and the other. What do you think of the album? Because I'd, I'd hate to think that that bit, made you you know feel negatively towards something that's a beautiful oh, piece of work no i think no I, I really think i really think it's a nice thing and um no i didn't have a i didn't have a problem with once doing it it's just it's, i suppose that what what people listening have probably got to remember is that um even though it's a really good job this recording engineer world you know it's, it's a fabulous job wouldn't do want to do anything else um it still is your job, and so this is, and it still is, you know, work that you do. So when something fundamental, it's like someone else going to work, and you know, whatever the their entire computer system is crashing, isn't you know, is going to need redoing for, in a across a fortnight. They're going to have a stressy time, and it's just that really. But just because mm. it's couched in more creative and artistic terms, it's uh, yeah. You yeah, need to get into but, podcasting, Mike, because the beauty of this is as long as you can hear it, 
kind yeah. of okay. And people only kind listen of all to right. it once. No, no. Well, that's that's my actual recording technique as well. It's, it's, you know, I'm uh, yeah, very rough and ready with my recordings. Um, H. And I know, I know. Yeah, my age is now mouthing that Mike isn't like that, and we both know no, that's not the case. It's false. Oh no, it is. It is. But I, I'm not saying that in a in a falsely mode. I can record things perfectly well and do. But but learning at the knee of David Megan, um, and especially with this band, um, you do learn to. You do learn to. It's more important to get the moment. Yes. than to get the moment at exactly the right level that you would choose with exactly the right microphone in exactly the right position. You want the moment, not you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, I mean, I think we had that on, I think, I don't know whether I'm talking out of turn here, and please edit it out if I am, but I, I've got a vague memory when Steve Wilson remixed um, Brave, he was sort of asking questions of the levels because there's lots of things that are recorded at, at lower levels than you would normally record in in a quiet section but what he's not what he wasn't possibly taking into consideration was that that quiet section might have come in a live jam scenario after a really loud bit where you needed those levels to be able to take that you know aggression and ju that just happens where that lovely moment landed and it was perfect to keep so they're not at optimal recording level. Do you see, do you see what I mean? Am I yeah, making sense? Yeah. yeah. No, so, you're making perfect sense. So you have to, so you sort of have to err on the side of, for God's sake, if they suddenly get loud, we, it can't be unusable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we'd rather have a, a very, very slightly noisier lower level recording and capture every possible moment than absolutely beautiful levels, you know, textbook. And just just for the purposes of that explanation, if you record something low, and it's a, the ch as you raise it up to put it on the final mix, there's more chance of background noise creeping in. Yes, that's basically that? yeah, it's the old school signal to noise, signal to it's noise ratio. Slightly slightly different element to that now with 32 bit recording, where because you should you be can, able to get away with everything. You can turn it up to almost infinity, yeah. and should, it won't. Should, do between it, you and me, and Mike, should we let Steve come back in? Yeah, on I'm his sorry. Podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's waving his hand. Oh. Welcome, no, just, well, just welcome the, the, to boring recording <laughs> level school. No, the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll make it less boring whilst remaining relevant because uh, another uh, another strangeness about how Brave was recorded was that Dave was so intent on capturing any ghosts that went by on the stairs that he had all of these open microphones all over the chateau, yeah. uh, somewhere on the somewhere on the fireplace and get get a bit of fire crackling. Uh, somewhere on the spiral stone staircases, just in case a ghost went by. Um, and because of that, when Steve Wilson remixed The Hollow Man, sent it round for, for comments, I was listening to it on cans, and every now and again it went, whoop. and I thought, what the fuck's that? Um and I naturally assumed it was some something wrong with the mix. And I, I went back to Steve and I, I, I noted all the times down. Well, at, you know, at 1 minute 40, there's a boom, a really subby kind of noise. Um, I don't know what it is, but in the cans, it's, it's you know, if you listen to it on, on the speakers, it's fine, but, but in headphones, I could really hear it. And right across the hollow man were these funny woomy sounds. And there were doors opening and shutting in the other other parts of the castle that 
we're all we're all over the ambience because Dave was so busy trying to capture ghosts. So it wasn't just signal to noise. It was yeah, it yeah. was all yeah, of yeah. his mad open microphones all over the all over the castle ghost hunting. I think that's lovely. I think it's yeah. really really nice. Yeah. That's but what it, did, it should be about. It did definitely sort of teach me. Um, because we all all engineers know how to do you know how to record properly and everything it's just that you've got to you've got to react to the reality of the thing you're in mm. and it's it's no use it's no use trying to do things by the book if if the book's been chucked out the window by a band working in a different way you know what i mean you've got to go with it uh, Stephen, uh, do you have any and by the way I loved the diary last week where one of the sections was just you reading clearly the n- bullet points you'd written down with a view that you'd write <laughs> it up later. It was, yeah. That's all I'd got because I'd, I'd never written it up. But uh, What was it? Woke up, girl says, I'm dying for a shit. Um, that was the first thing I heard when I came out of the hotel in Liverpool. Um, it's, the so way of, it's the way of my people. <laughs> so I'd, written, I'd just written these things that uh, oh, I'll flesh that out because it's it's uh, you know it's, it was quite an eventful day, but I didn't have the time to flesh it out. So I thought, well, I'll read it anyway. No, it, and it prompts the question: Was that a normal way of diary writing? Is that what you used to do, or was that just a one-off? No, it was a bit of it was probably a six or seven-off. Uh, you know, right. many of which had fleshed out, but. Um, sometimes if I, if I just wasn't in the mood for, for banging out a load of prose, I'd, I'd, I'd stick some bullet points down and, you know, I'll get on the tour bus later and flesh that out. But for whatever reason, I, I'd never got round to that. I liked it. I thought it was really nice. Did, do you have any more before I introduce or don't introduce diary? I have, I'm sure I can find something. Right. Okay. Should we, well, should we go to that now? Cause I've got a couple of questions when we come back. Absolutely. Here it comes. Wednesday, 24th of November. Bath Forum. Rolled off the shelf late morning and managed to persuade Charlie's temperamental coffee machine to cooperate. I seem to remember the Apple store being round here. And Boots, the pharmacy. Ideal. I'll go and buy hair dye, then I can do me roots on the day off in Hammersmith. What a palaver. I had remembered correctly. The Apple store was just around the corner, so I popped in to see if they had the new MacBook Pros in. To my surprise, they did. I've been waiting all year for the release, as my existing machine is now five years old. It works well, in fact I'm typing on it at the moment, but the battery life has dwindled and the screen has seen better days. I had almost bought the new 2021 model online, but the delivery date was marked down as December and Sod's Law would mean that it would arrive while I'm in Denmark. Didn't imagine the shops would have them in stock yet, but I must have got lucky. I promptly bought one for a small fortune. Went inside the forum to find the crew scratching their heads. The stage is relatively small and they couldn't get the centre risers to fit. 
Jens reckons Splintering Heart won't look great and everyone was looking to me to make a decision. No worries, we won't do it tonight, I said. The relief was palpable. It's no big deal. We'd always said we would rotate Splintering Heart, but Jens has made such a phenomenal job of the lighting that we'd kept it in to date. We're back. Yeah. Uh, and that was a bit of diary. We've none of us have any idea what that's going to be. Um, it might be. It might actually be the next day. I think yeah. there was one day left. Uh, How beautifully linear. And that was before we went to Hammy Odeon, and I never wrote that up because, of course, you would you wouldn't write London up, would you? Um, but if. If I'm wrong about that, I think I've, I think I've got some odds and sods kicking about, and I'll find something else. We, at some point, I will listen back to all those bits, and we'll have a, we'll have an episode where we talk about the bits. Because the problem with doing it the way we're doing it at the moment is, I used to read the diary occasionally before we recorded, so I actually knew what you were going to say, and I've no idea at the moment. Right. Yes. So we, we perhaps ought to have mm. a diary episode where we pick up on some of the things that you mentioned. Okay. We'll, we'll do that. Um, Mike, here's my mm-hmm. here's my remaining question, and it's got nothing yeah. to do with with friends actually. Okay. Uh, but we touched on it briefly off air last last time while we were waiting for for H to join us. How is uh, how how are jams progressing? What the, the literal jams that we're doing? The in, stuff we're right, doing right, right in the moment. Uh, yeah, no, there was. We've had a few. Um, We've had a few really nice ones. In fact, we've just <laughs> we've just come up with a new system uh, because I was pointing out to Mark. I don't know whether this is should be told. Well, I was pointing out to Mark that sometimes what happens, um, we we'll be playing something, the band are playing something, and I'll be listening, thinking, "Oh, this could be good. This could be good." And it goes around a few times. Then H latches onto it and thinks, "Oh, I've got something there. I can go into the." Then he'll jump in. By which time, Mark is now bored. And we'll just go and literally just stop or hit something mad, and you just think, "Oh no, if only we could have kept going." But I don't want to keep running in. I certainly don't want to sit in there like teacher looking at everyone and putting putting everybody off. So um, I said, "What would be good is if we could get some kind of like, you know, like a police siren light, like a flashing light, and if in the middle of the room, and I press that, that means carry on doing what you're doing for a bit longer than you might want to." Because I like it, so that's our new system. We haven't we haven't used it in anger yet, because um, the thing the Frenchie bought won't work through the window, but it will work eventually. I also suggested a sprinkler system for stopping the band playing <laughs> shit ideas <laughs> as well. Yeah, no. That's good. That wouldn't work. That all you'd just get is a very very wet band, <laughs> and we'd never get to the good bit. But no, the jams are going. To answer your question, the jams are going well. I think Steve has this expression where he he says like. It's like digging in a. You have to get through a fair bit of shale for a, after a bit, and you sort of do. And there's no, there's no quick way. I certainly don't remember previous album stuff where you start jamming and loads of great stuff happens on day one or two. You know what I mean? It just doesn't ever seem to. You sort of maybe the odd thing, but you seem to have to just get going, just do it, just keep going, and then it all starts to come together. And we had a couple of those moments. Uh, in the last couple of jams that I, yeah, was enjoying. One thing I would say, I can't believe going a little bit back to your your flashing blue light. 
mm-hmm. can't believe I've, it's taken all this time to work out something like that would be useful. No, I know. Um, it's, I'm not, I've, I've never made any claim for being the you know sharpest tool in the box. Um, but no, I think possibly <laughs> Mark Kelly's boredom threshold may have got a little bit <laughs> more finely tuned. Um, because there's some things that to me and just sounded obviously good and should have carried on. Um, and I sort of don't believe he didn't think they were good. Yeah, I do, just, I do. Maybe. I, maybe I don't. I don't think Mark knows when he's, you know, doing amazing things, to the point where I've heard him do amazing things so many times in the past. You know, and we've gone, that's fantastic, and we've recorded it, and I've sang on it, and we've done all of that, and he's gone. Let me just take that home and make it yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and he's yeah, come back, it. and he's completely ruined it. From yeah. start to finish, and then we've had the sort of delicate, delicate task of trying to say to him, "We liked it the way it Go was," with, without it was, yeah. upsetting it, him. You know, which it is uh, difficult because, but that is it, it. His part, part of his personality is that he he is a, he is a, a twiddler and a fixer of things and an understander of things. Um, but what he's actually brilliant at, and, and th- so because this is nowhere criticism, Mark, because I am second to no one in my admiration because he comes up with things that are made of quite ordinary things when you actually end up you know, examining them closely and they're just fantastic he'll do something i'll just go oh my god that just feels amazing and then you work it out and you go oh right so it's e to a yeah but somehow he's done something but of course because it is only e to a he won't give himself any credit on stumbling across an amazing way of making those two chords sound new and fresh and exciting. He'll go, I know what I can do now. I'll put five other really clever chords either side of that. And you lo- you, you know, you're in you danger of losing the thing yet. But he is so good, because it, this sounds like I'm being sort of slightly critical of Mark, and it's not. He is so good at those things. But I think he doesn't give it the value he should because because he thinks well I just made it up on the spot I didn't it, think yeah. about it I didn't know how it worked so how can that be have the same value as something you craft do you know what I mean um, yeah, so, he's a, yeah he comes up with these things that have really required or seemingly again I might be wrong but seemingly have required no thought whatsoever and and then of course he doesn't really value them and they're yeah. quite often they're amazing and you go don't touch it don't touch it it's yeah. perfect don't, you know leave it alone and you've got to try and stop him going and making it better. <laughs> yeah. So really what he's saying is you you want him driving, you just don't want him under the bonnet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I've driven with him, you don't want him driving. No, you don't want him driving. <laughs> <laughs> but he will understand exactly what is going on under the bonnet. Yeah, and he'll know. be under the bonnet whilst driving, that's the problem. Yeah. And he will have thought of an even better way to cool the engine, <laughs> resulting in it yeah. being on fire. <laughs> when he redesigned the car, that's when the problem started. Yeah. Well, Mike, look, yeah. thank you again uh, for giving us another another evening of your time. Uh, I'm now going to go back and listen to some of your recordings to see if I can hear the sound of a twin tub in Bista going round in the background because you've captured that as part of the recording process. <laughs> yeah. No, the, we, there, there are things on Less Is More. There are definitely... Because we, when we did Less Is More, it was all on microphones because it was an acoustic album. And we, it was absolutely... It was. I think we started in like a May, but it was like the hottest May ever. 
which so is what hot. happens every year now. So, so we had to have all the windows open. And unfortunately, Racket isn't in the middle of this, of a beautiful, you know, solitary field. It's, there's people parking JCBs. And there used to be a sandwich woman who would come round with like an ice cream <laughs> van chime to let the estate know that the sandwiches have arrived. And you'd be doing a really quiet acoustic guitar, ding, 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 because it's flying through the room. Like, Fuck. But again, learning at the knee of Dave Megan, um, the reality, when you put it, they are there, these noises, but they're not worth getting rid of a good take for because they're no. not in the way. They're just part of, you know, it's like the talk, talk things of, of, of those recordings where you don't, you don't think, oh, we've got to go again because the chair squeaked. The chair squeaked as part of that performance of this piece. That you know what I mean. It's all part of it. As long as it's not horrendously annoying, it's that the sound of a human being making that music, and that was the sound of us in that room making that record at the time. So it all it all belongs in there. You know, that's my excuse anyway. <laughs> and with that pearl of wisdom, uh, we will thank you again and no see worries. you and see you again soon because we're bound to okay. need answers to something fairly shortly. Yep, yeah, and I'll, I'll do gonna, my best to remember them. We're going to have to start paying him, though, if we invite him on again. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, Don't we're, forget the th- the session triangle. The session <laughs> triangle. <laughs> Don't you see? Because if he's doing good work and he's joining who he's working with, yeah, yeah, that's we're true. all right. The that's money true. can be shit. We'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.